Hello friends, today I'm continuing on in my mini-series on sex, modesty, and purity culture, and today I am talking about sex. Yep, you heard me right, I'm talking about sex. I realize this is a delicate subject because for the past however many years, it's been a taboo topic, um, particularly in the church. Well, I would say, yeah, primarily in the church, actually. And I strongly believe that it is time for a change. Um, now, just for context, sex began to flood the American culture um, with the rise of the sexual revolution, which began in the 1960s. I personally think that that was damaging because it broke sexual morality. And so when I talk about a change in a and I talk about having a sexual revolution, particularly within the church, I'm not referring to the sexual revolution of the 1960s. But I definitely think that it's time for a, sex a second sexual revolution in the church. And before I get into what that looks like, I wanted to address something. Um, the church, I think, is often the culprit for uh, the purity culture, which is a movement that started in the 1990s to counteract the sexual revolution. And you have no idea what I'm talking about. You've witnessed the effects of the purity culture if you hear messages like sex is bad or sex is dangerous or that dressing in modestly is acting out sexually. Um, now, I see the purity culture as something that was started by a group of Christians rather than from the organization of the church itself. Because I was stopping to think about it and I never heard a pastor explicitly say that sex is bad or that sex is dangerous. And I think that the implications of the good intent behind the purity culture, which was to keep sex sacred through marriage, those good intentions have been misinterpreted and poorly explained. So I think the blame goes back to both the giver and the receiver, rather than to the organization of the church as a whole. So when I talk about a sexual revolution within the church, I'm not specifically calling out the church or placing blame on the church for um, the lack of change or the the kind of how it's remained stagnant. Um, because I think for the longest time, I acknowledge that sex was not a dinner table topic. And I think the church is, is, has adapted that and is still kind of living back in you know, previous years and a previous, I would say previous decade where, yeah, sex was not a topic of conversation at all. And um, I think one reason for that and kind of one reason why the church still in many ways is not talking about sex is allowing parents to make the decision of when they want to discuss sex with their kids. And I think that that's a really good and honoring thing. But I think that there needs to be a shift in the church to speak out because schools are now 
pushing a sex agenda at a very young age without parents' permission. And I think if sexual, I'm sorry, if secular schools, ugh, so many words there, secular, I think if secular schools can do that and be teaching or, or pushing a, a sex agenda, that the church should be empowered to talk about sex. And when I say that the church should talk about sex, I'm not saying that the church should come out and say, oh, sex is bad and dangerous. And if you think about it, you're a dirty pervert. Um, I personally have read several books by scientists and neurologists, and I had a conversation with a sexologist. And honestly, after talking and after reading uh, those books, I became more driven to fight for sex inside of marriage, which is why I'm having this conversation today. It really inspired me and drove me and pushed me to champion sex within marriage. And here's the thing, not one of those books or neurologists or sexologists said that sex is bad and dirty and dangerous. So I think that there is a way to have a conversation about sex and to be able to champion sex in marriage without promoting a negative and scary view of sex. And I think that the church of all institutions has the ability to heal and restore hearts through its message on sex by seeking to champion God's intended purpose. Um, so here's an example, and here's why I don't think that having messages about sex being dangerous and bad is loving. Um, the whole purpose of anything is to draw people closer to Jesus. And I think that the problems we see in our culture with sex or with, with anything, really, can only be solved through people coming to Jesus. And I think that instilling guilt and instilling fear in people only pushes them further away from Jesus. And it's not loving. And I think that people will naturally see the value of having sex remain in marriage, or at least maybe not all people, but at least serious Christians will see the value in that. And I know that I certainly did. And um, as I was reading and as I was researching, one of the things I found that was really interesting to me is that uh, men and women have different levels of or oxytocin or different amounts of oxytocin. Um, and so women have more oxytocin than men. And the only time where this kind of levels out is during sex, um, where men's oxytocin will equal or come close to the level of oxytocin that um, women have. And what that's meant to do is to bond the couple together. Now, if you think about it, typically after marriage, what I've read, not married, so I don't know, but typically after marriage from what I've read is that men tend to kind of phase off after marriage in terms of like the heavy, the pursuit, the, the um, conquering, I don't know if that's a good word really, but I guess in terms of the pursuit that they have for women because they've gotten the girl and like that's how God has wired them and how God has has built you guys and so um so then there's this need or this idea of 
of moving on or finding the next the next thing to to like the next yeah the next thing um so what happens is the development of oxytocin is meant to serve as a reminder for men that this is my woman and it's 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 there like god designed that in men to come back to that one woman so for me as i was reading this i realized that i don't want to instill in another guy and make him think that he can get more than one woman um so that when he's married he's not just focused on one person so that was huge for me and i think this this whole thing that i've learned in this journey that i have had um is that it's the idea of you see something beautiful and you don't want to mess it up like my sister gave me a bar of soap two years ago that i still have sitting next to my sink because it's so beautiful that i couldn't bring myself to use it like it's just the care that she put into it the design and everything like i i don't want to touch it because it's so beautiful and um so i think that that, that i see sex in that way now um, is something that is beautiful and something that I do want to preserve and champion um, for in marriage. So um, I think a lot of times that we hear the message, particularly within the church, like don't have sex, it's bad, don't do it, don't, don't, don't. And I think that no and don't is a harmful message. I think that we can say no but in a way that gives an incentive. And for me, it was powerful when I realized that saying no to something means that I'm saying yes to something else. So saying no to premarital sex means that I'm saying yes to seeking the very best spouse and building a solid foundation to lay a marriage on. It's not gonna be perfect, but it's going to be solid. And I know that in that I'm seeking out the very best for uh, myself and for my future spouse. Um, so I think that there are churches kind of going back to this idea of what can the church do and how can the church speak out about sex? Um, I think that there are churches that are doing a great job of this. Um, the church as an organization has a unique position in reaching all ages and all walks of life. Um, and that means whether you're married, whether you're single, young, old, the church has a unique um, ability to do this. And I personally think the church has a right to leave believers, believers in how to live a godly life. And this extends to sexuality. Uh, so a bit of a side note, um, the original intent of separation of church and state was to keep the state from interfering with the church, not the other way around. So I think this presents a good cause for the church to be able to speak out on a, I guess I would say a moral um, topic. Um, now, of course, there are differing views on how the church should lead. I think it is a valid question to ask if it's appropriate for the senior pastor to talk about sex from the pulpit without compromising his or her own views or minimizing his or her own sexual struggles. And my personal suggestion is for churches to hire a Christian sexologist to give a sermon series 
and have the pastor on the behalf of the elder board promote that sexologist. And this sermon series would be general, it would be age appropriate, um, could also have a separate curriculum for kids and youth um, that would just be even more age specific. And then maybe have like small groups led by qualified uh, couples and counselors or sexologists who would foster questions and discussions. Now, you know, you could do these groups to be broken down by age and by gender and by couples. I think that's a really good idea to make it more specific and really with the idea of making people feel safe and feel comfortable and like they can have these discussions. And maybe in some cases it's better to do a video series if people are uncomfortable talking. Um, I think churches could also have a way for people to pr approach a couple or a counselor with questions individually and have this be all free, obviously, but maybe people would feel more comfortable talking on a one-on-one -on -one level rather than in a group setting. And I realized that naturally the fear of doing anything like this is that it would get out of hand and that people would be talking about sex in the church. But honestly, here's the thing. The world is already talking about sex. We have coworkers, we have commercials, we have songs, we have ads, we have apps that are constantly promoting sexual messages. And so I think that the church out of all of those things should have the right to be talking about sex and to be fostering healthy conversations um, within and without of the church for as a model for the rest of the world. So what can you do? What can churches do? I think the, the biggest thing is to speak, to simply speak and to simply talk and have sexual conversations. Um, and I think one way to talk about sex in a healthy manner is to develop a sex ethic and to establish a sex ethic. And at some point, I hope to talk about this more and what that dive into what that looks like. Um, but I think for this purpose of this episode, I really wanted to talk about how the church can move forward and what are some of the things that the church can do to move forward. Um, I think that the church needs to be equipping people in their sexuality. And for me, something that really helped was being able to debunk sexual myths um, and to be able to have a healthy outlet to channel sexual tension or sexual angst. Um, and I think specifically some of these myths that need to be addressed and some that were for me is that, you know, we hear that the, oh, that sex is wrong, that sex is dangerous. And I think that something that needs to be addressed is that there is not something wrong with you if you have a sexual desire. All of us do. It's good if you desire to have sex with your boyfriend or girlfriend, and it's not bad to be horny. Now, of course, with all of these statements, it's a matter of what you do with that sexual energy. Because as with any other form of energy, you can use it for good or for bad. I think another thing that would be helpful within the church 
is to be more simply be more vocal about sex because I feel like I hear so much more about one night stands from non-believers than I do uh, from believers who are talking about sex in a healthy manner within marriage. Um, so I think that that's really important. And so these are some of the things that I would love to see within the church. I would love to foster conversations and to create safe environments where people feel like they can talk about sex in a healthy manner. So um, I will hope to be on here again to talk about this more. But for now, that is all I have. Hello and welcome to the Single Space Podcast, where we talk about the thrills and challenges of being a single young adult. No matter where you find yourself, this is your safe space to deep dive into the good, the bad, and everything in between of being single. I am branching out to do a couple segments on purity and sexuality. I feel like as singles, these are topics that we grapple with. And in my own experience, these are subjects that often don't get talked about in the church setting. This platform will not be discussing personal views surrounding the church's stance toward purity and sexuality, but it is my heart to be a resource to those inside the church and outside of the church. These are delicate topics, and the views and stance are coming from one person's perspective. I welcome your comments and feedback as I delve into these topics. And if you have young children, know that the following podcast will be addressing sex and sexuality.